Welcome to another episode of the Penny and Pops podcast under the MagicBasketballOnline.com name. He's Spencer Penny Strode. I'm Adam Pops Papa Giorgio. Let's do it. Spencer, we've made it to 10 episodes. This is episode wow. 10. Um, we haven't been kicked off, even though I pay for this. And, <laughs> and Anyway, it's good that we're, we still have a good following. And again, we appreciate everybody for listening to the podcast. So we're going to dive right in. Uh, Charlotte is about to lose the 2017 All-Star Game. And it looks like it is uh, open house for that right now. Uh, depending on what reports you look at. Uh, New Orleans seems to be the favorite to host the 2017 All-Star Game. Orlando continues to creep back in. That's why we're mentioning it right now. Um, Las Vegas could be a favorite. Maybe people just enjoyed Summer League so much they want to go back. Um, my my question, and we've, we've touched on this you know, back when Frank Vogel was hired, when I talked to Alex Martins about All-Star Weekend and how you know, the Magic were pushing for 2019 and 2020, and then all of a sudden, because of an awful uh, anti-LGBTQ law uh, that the state of North Carolina pushed and isn't revoking, uh, Charlotte has to pay for this now. So my question again to you is, Does do you think Orlando should host it? Do you think that, you know, maybe it'd be better off in somewhere like New Orleans, you know, or or Vegas? Well, firstly, let's talk about, I I think we can all agree that on the whole, the NBA is a soulless money machine. But that being said, there are some pretty cool uh, social activist moments that happen as a byproduct of players and, and executives in the league from time to time. And I think this is one of them. And by all accounts, so far, I think Adam Silver has proven to be a pretty pretty cool guy and he's doing a good job so i think it's a good thing that the nba more or less is voting with their wallet uh in terms of you know taking a stand on equality i think that's a good thing we did touch on in a previous episode that maybe the infrastructure isn't quite in place for orlando to host the event and again i go back to we had it in 2012 and we had it during a lockout year, so it wasn't the full scale of events. Yeah. It wasn't the same amount of prep time. And to get it again, although regardless, it would be a great thing for the city. Uh, you know, a lot of excitement in the area. It would be something that we could, you know, evoke the civic pride again. But I think for me, I would rather have, uh, you know, 2020, 2021. Uh, and get the full scale of prep work and the full lead-up time so that everybody gets to enjoy it, you know, the full spectacle of the weekend. Yeah, and again, I mean, just to kind of give you a mental picture, um, you know, right on the uh, east side of the Amway Center is Interstate 4, I-4. Um, the overpass for that is in shreds, basically. It's, right. it's not really an overpass because there's so many holes through it right now. Um, there's no way they could get, they would get that all fixed up and that part of that road done by February. There's no way. Um, and for those that are not local, they just knocked down a parking garage across the street from the arena. On the north side, it is being knocked out. It is being demoed, um, very slowly, but it's already roped off. There's like a 
cute little magic right. banner with like quotes and pictures and stuff on it. So and a lot of construction going on, uh, you know, ongoing. And then under the overpass, they're working on creating some sort of green space project that right now is a lot of dirt and a lot of machinery. Uh, and probably <laughs> we were not putting our best foot forward to have a lot of out of town traffic come in and see the city looking uh, you know, under construction. Yeah, it's supposed to be a pretty nice park, actually, or like just some type of really nice, like you said, green space. So it's going to look nice. Yeah. It's just not going to be ready by February 2017. Right. Um, add another year or two to it, probably. Um, I mean, you and I have been to New Orleans to watch the Magic get their ass kicked by, by New Orleans. Um, this was, I think, was that 2012? That was 2012 because yeah. that was Dwight's last year. Yeah. Um, Look, New Orleans is a great city. I think they're they're ready to host it whenever. It's just kind of they yeah. certainly know how to put on large scale events with every you know Super Bowl and college football championship and all the events that come through all the time. And I will say too, uh, I've been to Charlotte, a nice city with pleasant people. You feel kind of bad that the fans of the team miss out on that activity, but they they do hopefully get it again in 2019 so yeah so 2018 los angeles gets it uh the nba seems to be very open to giving 2019 to charlotte um if that state law gets repealed for those people saying well charlotte and the charlotte hornets have done everything they can to negate that law as much as possible but still the the nba is doing the right thing just because when you have a big event like all-star weekend not everyone's going to be in Charlotte. They're going to be in the rest of the state. People have to drive through the state borders to get there. And it's just an appropriate statement, I think, for what the NBA is doing. Um, one drawback for Charlotte possibly getting it in 2019, though, is that means that there's a, a spot less for other teams waiting for it, like Orlando. Um, you got teams with new arenas coming, Sacramento, Milwaukee, Golden State. And so, you know, I, I, I'm fully confident the Magic will get a second All-Star weekend within the next five years. I, I'm very confident oh, about that. Yeah. Um, I think 2020 is right in the wheelhouse. Um, no, I mean, 2021 would really be perfect because that's when I-4 is supposed to be complete. Um, you know, you look at some of the other downtown projects going on, a lot of those would be complete. So will the entertainment complex. I think they have a 2020 timetable for that, maybe 2019. But, um, you know, I think, you know, another reason why it may not be appropriate for Orlando to, to host it is kind of the controversy behind the DeVos family's, I guess, core values, uh, when it comes to, you know, LGBT type topics. Um, there's, you know, there's been a lot of tension and there's been a lot, there's been evidence in the past that they have donated campaign funds to certain causes and candidates that are anti LGBT. And so I think just to kind of avoid, uh, what would be a very, uh, interesting reaction should Orlando be rewarded the 2017 all-star game. I think it's best if, if it goes to New Orleans or if it goes to Las Vegas. Yeah, the NBA obviously has very astute PR people and to uh, uproot the game because of laws that discriminate against people and move it to a city where the owner of the franchise has, you know, committed to causes that would prevent equality for all people might not look the best. I agree. I think... 2021 would be probably the perfect year. I think it's a fair amount of time. It would have been nine years since we last got the game. 
Uh, I can only imagine what Orlando on the whole will look like five years from now with continued, you know, expansion and rapid growth. And I think the team in 2021, I mean, who knows for sure, but... Uh, you have to assume that we'll be in some sort of contention. And if you look at how Toronto fared last year where they get the All-Star game, and it kind of just ramps up all the excitement for for a really nice postseason run. Yeah, I would say the only reason why I'd be very open to the Magic having 2017's All-Star game is to see Aaron Gordon pretty much, you know, win the dunk contest. Because if if the Magic are hosting it and if he's in it, He's winning it. There's no way he doesn't win it in that situation. I'm excited to see another dunk contest in Orlando that doesn't end with a guy jumping over a covered painting. Or running with a fake uh, headband across his eyes. Yeah. Blindfold. Cedric Sabalos. Anyway. Really great all-star game. Sunday night, always pretty good in Orlando. Saturday night has left a little to be desired so far. Yeah, Orlando's do a really good all-star saturday i feel like um you know the other you talk about all the changes going around the city you look at the old arena site you know ucf and valencia two schools are combining to have a really awesome downtown campus um that's going to be in full swing come the next few years i mean i think the project uh, i think they begin accepting students in like fall of 2018 so for create, all you luck- create a village and yeah. food halls and everything you can want. Yeah, um, so for all you lucky rich kids that get to get to go there, enjoy it because that you know situations like that were not available while we were right. growing up. So, and I think too, just to put a cap on the the city, what the city may look like five years from now, by all accounts, too, we should have some better public transport in terms of you know getting people from the airport to the convention center, from God, the convention so. center to downtown, yeah. and that was one of the drawbacks too. Is that uh, you know people come in from out of town and trying to navigate up and down I four can be a headache as opposed to other cities where you know their convention center where the NBA uh, you know the NBA jam session stuff is going on is right next door to the arena downtown. We don't have that. We do have a really great arena. We do have a really great convention center. And hopefully by the time we get the next All-Star game, we'll have some really great public transportation. Yeah, that's the one thing that holds Orlando back is everything is so spread out. You have to have a car in this city to move around because you can go. You can be driving 30 minutes one way, 30 minutes another you know, and it's just, you know, that's the one kind of big handicap for the city is just public transportation. And so... You know, hopefully, come a few in a few years, that's going to be vastly better. It is getting better, you know, just with Sunrail and just public transport as a whole. But anyway, I'm rambling now. So enough about civics. Yeah, enough about civics. So we're going to talk about more basketball. So uh, one of the Magic's off-season signings, Jody Meeks, he just had surgery on his foot. Um, He is out, quote unquote, indefinitely. Uh, I don't know what that means. That could be the whole season for all I know. That could be the start of training camp. Um, you know, I, my first thought was, you know, I, I kind of expected it almost that some, like, something like this could happen. I just was hoping he would at least play a few games before a situation like that would happen where his foot, you know, was failing him. You know, supposedly they're doing this as extra support. It's kind of a precau- precautionary surgery, I guess, but... I mean, we'll see. We'll know what the timetable is for for return for Jody Meeks. But um, yes, yeah. you know, I was surprised that so many fans were, you know, uh, not taken aback, but really seemed to be angry by the injury. 
And I will say, we've seen some footage of him working out. You know, you're you're in and around the facility. You see him getting shots up. He seemed to be moving okay. But when when players get foot injuries, sometimes they tend to linger. You know, it depends on the body, however you heal. And as we touched on in the previous episode, it's still a no-risk move for the Magic. Yeah. You know, he's... he's uh, only got this year left on his contract. Yeah, if one year, six point five million. That's it. If he doesn't get healthy, uh, we'll definitely miss some of the shooting. But you know, we have Hozonia that's there to pick up the slack, and may you know maybe it's all a moot point. He gets he's a little delayed in the summer, but you know maybe he comes back in December and gives you fifty good games. So yeah, no, I mean I, I hope for his sake he comes back because again he only played three games last season for for Detroit. Again, it was due to that foot, um, and this is a good opportunity for, like you said, Hazonia, but, I mean, it's a good opportunity for a guy like C.J. Wilcox, who the Magic just got. It's a possible chance for C.J. Watson to go from third-string point guard to getting some shooting guard minutes as well, depending on how Frank Vogel wants to run things. I know in Indiana, Watson was playing a little combo guard there, so right. I don't see why that couldn't happen again. Um you know, Jody doesn't make or break whether this team is good or whether they make the playoffs or not. Added um, depth. Added depth, and I think the Magic will be fine with them. But I will say for Meeks on a, on a personal note, uh, with or without him, I will say for Meeks on a personal note, though, if anyone's ever had an incentive to hurry up and get healthy, it's got to be a guy who has, uh, you know, an NBA skill, which is shooting, to go ahead and you know put in put up a good season on solid numbers and then cash in with the free agency bonanza next summer. Yeah, and again, we just don't know the timetable right now, and I'm hopeful that that he gets back. You know, maybe in the winter that'd be fantastic. But heck, if the Magic are making a playoff run and he can get back, you know, after the All Star game, I'll take that. Yeah. So. Uh, moving on, uh, Aaron Gordon uh, this week uh, spent some time with the U.S. Select team uh, over in Vegas. Uh, if you don't know, the U.S. Select team helps the U.S. Senior National Team uh, gear up for the Olympics in Rio de Janeiro, which more and more of those Olympic Games look like they might be a disaster. So maybe it's a good thing the Magic aren't sending a U.S. representative there. Uh, you know, Right now, the only Magic player scheduled to, to go over to Rio to play basketball is uh, Mario Hazonia for the Croatian National Team. Um, Evan Fournier got screwed over by his yeah. French national team, but I will save that for closer to the Olympic Games. Yeah, wear long sleeves, Mario. <laughs> but uh, I got to watch a little bit of, uh, of those practices and those trainings that, uh, that occurred on NBA TV. Um, Aaron Gordon looks jacked. That's all I can say. The man looks really, really muscular, and he made some other grown men look like not-so-grown men. So um, it was kind of interesting seeing how... Greg Popovich and Jay Wright were doing the coaching, and they had Aaron like working with the Fords in one instance, and then working with the Bigs in other instances. And you would see him go up against Demarcus Cousins or DeAndre Jordan, and then the next instant he's going up against Kevin Durant. So, you know, it, people are still trying to figure out what position Aaron Gordon will be playing for the Magic, and I think Team USA just kind of proved Aaron Gordon's just a, a, a great athlete. Throw him out there and see what he can do. Just a basketball player. Yeah. Right now. yeah. Um, the, experience, it, the experience that he went through, it's not something that we, you know, we from the outside could see on television. It's what they do behind closed doors during the talks, during just all the, the group bonding that they do over there. And I think 
hopefully Aaron learned a lot, and hopefully Aaron will will carry some of what he learned to the Magic. And once he solidifies himself as that starting small forward, I'm really excited to see what he does. He has a knack for turning in some impressive video clips or or vines uh, from last summer and this summer at uh, whether it be pro-ams or camps or what have you. But it's always... Uh, it's always good for the players to go up again. You know, he was definitely excited about working with the senior national team yeah. because it's literally the best of the best minus, you know, maybe six of the best, but it's the best of the remaining best. And the select team that he's a part of is the best crop of young and up and coming players. So talk about an environment to really test your metal, see where you stack up. And then, you know, he's going to come home from that with new experiences and definitely a whole lot of new motivation that will carry him through leading up to trading camp. Yeah, and look, and before Aaron Gordon got to the NBA, he had plenty of experience playing for Team USA. He won gold. He was MVP of a tournament right. with Team USA. So the fact that he can get, you know, he put injury issues behind him. He was able to to kind of show, you know, Jerry Colangelo and Coach K and Coach Popovich, who's going to take over Team USA here in the next year um, that, hey, I'm available. Think about right. me. And, you know, you want to play small? I can play three positions, basically. Center, power Aud- forward, and Auditioning for 2020, showing his versatility. And the good point, too, we talk about he's entering his third NBA season. This is the first year where he's had literally the whole summer where he's not rehabilitating. He's strictly working on his game and getting better. You talk about what you saw from him after the All-Star break last year and what he can potentially carry forward into next year. Uh, it might be scary for the rest of the league. Yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to what he's going to do. Uh, so we kind of I kind of threw the question out last podcast, but I want to go back to focusing on the Southeast Division. Um, you know, you and I both think Orlando will be in the playoffs. They should make the playoffs. I personally think the Magic can win the Southeast Division. Um, I, I want to kind of go through what the other four teams have done this offseason and kind of have your take and kind of gauge to see if the Magic really do have a legitimate chance to win the division. Um, you know, obviously we know what the Magic did, but going up a little bit north, uh, we're going to look at Atlanta. Atlanta lost Al Horford. They said goodbye to Jeff Teague. Um, those are two of their three, two of their four best players that they had right there. And replacing Al Horford, they got Dwight Howard. Yep. Um, it's very interesting to, that, that you, they went after him. I have but, to ask, did you see the Dwight Howard uh, intro press conference where he fake cried on the dais? Oh, I didn't know that. No, I did yeah. not watch it. Yeah, I mean, he real cried, but it was a fake contrived Dwight Howard cry. And... I, I don't have a ton of ill will towards Dwight because you just you it's not worth harboring it <laughs> at a certain point, right? But the man is 30 years old and he still can't uh, be an authentic person. No, he you know can't. it's a, it's always a contrived act. Uh, and there's a stark contrast between he's sitting up there sharing time with Kent Bazemore, who by all accounts is you know pretty uh, real and has has overcome a lot to uh, you know. Yeah, to and get then there. Dwight is just a, a caricature up there next to him. Yeah, no, it's they're they're relying on him to be 2011 Dwight Howard. They much. need him they, to put up 
points and rebounds and be a defensive anchor and it remains to be seen if he can still do that so i mean just because of losing horford and 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 teague and they're depending on a still very inconsistent dennis Schroeder as a point guard i think atlanta took a fall i think Um, so too and the other thing uh you know, Kyle Korver had a really down first half of last season and kind of came out of the tailspin. But he's a year older he's, now. He's old. You know, he's is he mid thirties, pushing late thirties, right? And the he's he's going to run around, but he's got bad knees, and there's only so much you can do about you know getting the shot off against really athletic wing defenders that the NBA has a glut of now. So I I think that Atlanta has taken a, a pretty gigantic step back yeah they need i mean if dwight doesn't step up it's got to be paul Millsap, right i mean there's nobody else i mean paul Millsap is going to have to play his ass off which he wants to because he's going to get paid in 2017 and and depending on how the season starts off for atlanta too one thing to consider is they might have to consider moving Millsap so they don't lose him for nothing yeah, uh, absolutely. Know, if he decides he's he's looking to sign elsewhere. So yeah, no, I mean, if Atlanta does get off to a rough start, I mean, I could absolutely see that. And you know what? Maybe the Magic may want to get involved in that. Who knows? Because Paul Millsap was a free agent target last year. So we'll see. I mean, along with Millsap and Dwight and Shooter, the only other notable big man they got is Tiago Splitter, who obviously benefited from being on that Spurs team. I right. mean, you look at well, you know what he's done in Atlanta. Not much. Well, so I think he but, missed pretty much most of the season due yeah. to injury yeah. so that's another thing where you're talking about a big guy coming back from injury what kind of it's a it remains to be seen what kind of production you're going to actually and, get out of these guys on a consistent basis and they have magic killer mike scott so um we'll, we'll see how he right. does there i mean uh, behind baysmore they got thabo cephalosha and then behind corver you got tim hardaway jr i will say one very good signing that atlanta made was getting jarrett jack uh, to back up Schroeder, I think that, I mean, Jack's a starting caliber point guard, depending on, on what your team situation is. And Atlanta is a very unknown team right now. So. I, it is surprising. Uh, I think Jared Jack went down with an ACL last year, but he only got the minimum. And you're talking about all yeah. the money flying around everywhere. That's definitely a value signing, considering I think Jared Bayless is making 8 or $9 million a year. Yeah, Jared Jack's a pretty cheap get. Um, do you think the Magic are better than Atlanta? I think the Magic are, uh, looking at them right now. Again, if Dwight and Millsap find a way to mesh really well, that probably doesn't become the case. Then I think Atlanta could win 50 games, honestly. But... I don't see it right now. I think they're they're pushing to try and get one of those last few playoff spots. Yeah, that's a tough call, and a lot will come down to the chemistry that's developed over the course of the season for both the Magic and the Hawks with so many new pieces and new roles. But to me, I, I would say we talked about uh, in the last show, I peg Orlando somewhere around 44, 45 wins. I would put Atlanta right there, 43 to 45 wins. There, you know, uh, Schroeder has a lot to learn still as a starting point guard for the whole season. Yeah, I mean, when when he's hot, he's he's a really good point guard. But I mean, when he's bad, it it gets ugly with him. So, you know, he's he's the engine driving that team now. So we'll see how how Schroeder handles being the guy um, i think if i had to make a call right now in the middle of july that i would put orlando an inch in front of atlanta literally like a game yeah. or two because yeah. again yeah i i think i right now and we talked about this the last 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 podcast i think you and i would be quite thrilled if the magic finished with 45 wins yeah. 
So with that in mind, I think, yeah, I'm with you. I think Atlanta might be close to a 500 team right now. So, again, could be wrong. We'll yep. see. It's all about chemistry and health. I mean, if Dwight's a healthy guy and he's he's motivated to, to kick ass and take names, I mean, again, Atlanta could be a 51 team. So moving from Atlanta, uh, let's look at Charlotte. Charlotte lost Al Jefferson, their starting center, and they replaced him with Roy Hibbert, a guy you mentioned right. the Magic should go get for $5 million, and I think that's what Charlotte went and got ended him. Ended up getting him for $5 million. So, I mean, they have him. They have the good Zeller brother out of the brothers that exist in the universe, in the basketball universe. Uh, they kept Marvin Williams, which was a little bit of a surprise to me, but he, he got his He his turned in a amount career of money. year last year, and he, he got rewarded for it, for sure. Um, they still have Frank Kaminsky, which I wonder if Michael Jordan's wondering if he should have traded him for all those draft picks that he was getting offered. But they got Frank Kaminsky. Uh, the one guy that I keep forgetting that is going to have a full season now to work with is Michael Kidd Gilchrist um I mean that guy at the small forward position next to Nicholas Batum this this the very who's a very tall shooting guard now in that situation I think MKG showed that he actually had improved a little bit offensively but that he's still a beast defensively and so I think I think when we look at Charlotte we kind of can't we definitely can't forget about MKG um, I believe they got Jeremy Lamb and uh, another magic killer, Marco Bellinelli. Um, Mark, I'm par- I'm petrified to see Marco Bellinelli four, four times, times a year, year now. Yeah. Um, I can see him averaging like 25 a game against the Magic off the bench somehow, without a doubt. Um, they lost Jeremy Lin uh, as Kemba Walker's backup, but Kemba's got Ramon Sessions now. So right. I think they, I think Charlotte may have dropped maybe a, a tiny bit quality-wise. But, I mean, I, I can't remember off the top of my head how many wins they had last year. But, I mean, they were f- five seed in the in the East. You know, Miami was the four seed. And, um, you know, looking at it, I, I think Charlotte is probably, if not one, two in the Southeast. I, I think that's where we might differ. Uh, you obviously can't forget about MKG. As you mentioned, he got hurt in Orlando in the preseason, then never came back the whole year. He has to have some semblance of an offensive game. You know, he, he's a lockdown defender on the wing, and that's needed. But last year, Charlotte had a lot of success with kind of spacing the floor and a lot more three-point shooting. One of the omissions that you uh, left out in terms of people they lost, Courtney Lee. Yeah, Leesus. Yeah, you're right. had a really terrific, you know, memorable moments in the playoffs. And obviously Magic fans know what he's capable of doing as a steady, you know, steadying presence in and the backcourt. he's on the Knicks now. He's one of those guys that I think his contribution to the team uh, kind of outshines his individual value sometimes. Absolutely. And I, to me, if you look at strictly matching up like Orlando versus Charlotte. I think it's a very favorable matchup. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we took three out of four against them this year. And I think that they're going to take a, a step back. They, you know, Sessions is a downgrade to compared to Jeremy Lin. Ooh, I, I didn't think that would be possible, but yeah, I, I, I think, mean. I think to me, Sessions is a downgrade. I think uh, you know, remains to be seen what Roy Hibbert will be like. He wasn't awful for the Lakers, but he wasn't Indiana Roy Hibbert. And he had no expectations with the right. Lakers either. That's can, the thing. Can he still 
get things accomplished in today's NBA? Will Frank Kaminsky turn into anything? I, I don't know. I would put Charlotte probably around the 500 mark next season. See, I, I, I just respect Steve Clifford and Patrick Ewing and that staff way too much. I mean, if anyone can get Hibbert, other than Frank Bogle, if anyone can get Hibbert to turn it around, I think Ewing can do it. You know, there's the Georgetown connection, but just Patrick Ewing's a good big man coach. Right. Like, we can't, we can't you know, neglect that. And I, I think Charlotte's going to be somewhere around that 45-win range, too. So, um, like I said, I, I, if, if not first, I would probably have him second. And, you know, moving, you know, moving on. Uh, I think I would put Charlotte in the bottom rung of the Southeast Division for the next season. Well, okay, then I'll skip the All other right. one. Then let's, let's look right. at the Wizards, then, because okay. we don't know what the hell the Wizards have done. Yeah. The Wizards took a million big men. We completely forgot to mention Markeith Morris in the last podcast. They still have him. They have seven people for the front court that presumably deserve minutes. It's Gortat, Mahinmi, Nene went off to Houston, right. I believe. Morris, and then they took two Magic guys, Jason Smith and Andrew Nicholson. You look at, you know, they lost Garrett Temple at small forward. Otto Porter is still the starting small forward, but Garrett Temple brought depth. Bradley Bill, you never know what the heck's going to happen with his body. Right. So, you know he's going to be good, but you don't know if he's going to be good for 20 games or 60 games. You know, John Wall's going to be John Wall. Behind him, though, is a pretty bad point guard in Trey Burke, so I don't know. Right. I don't know. I mean, I think Washington's in the bottom right now in the Southeast. I, you know, even uh, taking into account injuries last season and stuff, I was shocked that they fell out of the playoffs, you know, took such a gigantic step back. Although, how shocked can you be when Randy Whitman's your coach? They got rid of him. Upgrade. A, a, you know, a really good upgrade to Scott Brooks. I think John Wall uh, will thrive under Scott Brooks, but... There's what what kind of roster did they assemble and how will they play together and uh, ugh, I mean that's just tough to project. I mean, do do you play Markeith Morris at small forward? Like, what what do you do if like Otto Porter takes a step back because Otto Porter had a damn good year last year. Yeah. Like, if he doesn't, if he if he just drops down a little bit, I mean that Washington team is not looking so good. I mean, look. Beal, I mean, they're banking on Beal and Wall to do everything. And look, Gortat is Gortat, but Gortat is is getting older now at this point. And, you know, Mahimi, even though he got paid a pretty sizable amount of money, Mahimi doesn't bring that much. He's pretty much a banger. He's a a serviceable big who got rewarded in free agency because of, you know, lucky timing. So then you're asking guys like Jason Smith and Andrew Nicholson to go above what they brought in Orlando, and we'll see if that's going to happen. Maybe Nicholson will do it. Jason Smith shot the ball about as well as you can expect him to shoot in Orlando. So do you give him a bunch more touches? I mean, who knows? We'll see. But I think the Wizards are are in trouble, and they're they're around 500 in my book. Yeah, maybe. they they clipped the magic last season. We ended up in the cellar in the Southeast Division. I wouldn't be surprised if the Wizards were the last place team this season in the Southeast in terms of the five in our uh, division. But it's I mean I could see them winning 36. I could see them winning 45, to yeah. be honest. If, you know, if John Wall is all otherworldly John Wall. But to me, I would peg Washington right now somewhere around 38, 39 wins. And I think that they're on the outside looking in. All right. So you and I are invading foreign soil here this weekend. But uh, the other team we will be talking about, of course, is the Miami Heat. Uh, our not-so-great uh, uh, Sunshine State rivals. Um, you know, For a long time now... Miami's had the upper hand over the Magic as far as relevancy, as far as, yes, their team has three championships. Orlando has none. 
Go fuck yourselves. <laughs> um, but uh, Miami now is in trouble. Miami is, uh, you know, they kept Hassan Whiteside. They they paid him, but they lost Dwayne Wade, their, their greatest player in that franchise's history. Right. He's gone. I still can't believe he's gone. And they also lost Luol Deng. And that team is a, has a bunch of question marks, including... You know, will Chris Bosch actually play for them? That's right. the biggest question mark they have now. That's a. It's going to be a totally different identity in Miami this year. But you talk about too. Uh, even if Chris Bosch starts the year and has a great year, what's going to happen come cold weather and the All Star break again? And and God forbid that you know he has continued health issues. Yeah, we talk about maybe the best. Four or five punch in the league uh, in Hassan Whiteside and Chris Bosch when Whiteside's head is on right. And when Bosch is healthy. And when Bosch is healthy. But both of those are gigantic question marks. Goran Dragic uh, has been up and down. They just paid a lot of money to Tyler Johnson. $50 to Tyler Johnson. uh, Honest to God, I love the NBA. I watch a ton of basketball. It's totally possible I couldn't pick Tyler Johnson out of a lineup if I had my life to depend on it. I mean, th- th- this is a very questionable roster. I mean, behind Hassan Whiteside, they have Willie Reed, who, eh, whatever, so, summer league MVP right, Willie Reed. D, I mean, he great in the D league, couldn't really crack the rotation for the Brooklyn Nets last season. They got surprising contributions from Josh Richardson last year in terms of, you know, hitting from the perimeter and stuff. Is that sustainable next season? Josh Richardson is now the starting shooting guard because Joe Jesus is gone. So, I mean, Josh Richardson is the starting shooting guard. No Dwayne Wade, no Luol Deng. Uh, no, Joe, no Joe Johnson. They have James Johnson though, got- <laughs> backing up backing up Justice Winslow now. J- James Johnson, who couldn't get any meaningful play in Toronto this past season, so uh, I mean, Wayne Ellington is technically the backup to Josh Richardson right now. So you got a bunch of very questionable guys with a lot of New Jersey ties. I've yeah. Brooklyn Nets ties. I feel like, but um, Miami right now is is in a very sketchy situation. I still think. I mean, look, Miami could very well be the in the cellar in the Southeast. Um, you know, we just brought up all the, all the teams. All of, all those teams could be competing for the playoffs. Uh, you know, it could be. You know, last year, what was it? Three of them made it made the playoffs, and so there's a situation where I definitely could see four making it. Mm-hmm. All five obviously won't, right. but all five could be competing for, and I could see four getting in. And I'm pretty confident. I think the Magic can win the division with with 45, 46 wins. I really think it's possible. For sure. And, and you know, you talk about there's a glut of talent. Uh, you know, we're all in kind of the same place, right? We talked about last season in terms of the Eastern Conference that like 3 through 12 is really uh, negligible. I think it'll be that way again, even more so. And, you know... We're going to beat up on other divisional opponents all year long. They're going to beat up on each other. And 45 wins might get you the divisional crown. I don't think Miami has the ceiling to reach 45. No. I mean, I, I, I mean, look, Bosch would have to play like 80 games for that to be, to be in the, in the a possibility. Like Hassan, Watts, Hassan Whiteside, talented big man, can be a chaotic big man, but... He could be getting a lot of empty stats on a bad team. That's possible, too. And now that he got a gigantic paycheck, how motivated will he be to continue working as hard as he did to, you know, 
get out of obscurity. And the other thing to consider, too, about Miami, they didn't really start playing good basketball until Bosch went down. Yeah. Spolster totally True. changed the way that they played the game. That's where they found their success. I mean, their young guys did step up. Can they do it from the start of the season? Though? Can they reacclimate and play that way with Chris Bosch? Will, is, that even, is that a moot point? Will he even be able to play? There's a lot of unanswered questions down south. Yeah, um, I I think the Magic have a really good shot at winning the division. Um, I I think you and I I think it's time you and I actually make a trip down to a Heat game, a Heat Magic game. Maybe maybe that the, we can see the rivalry rekindled a little bit. Finally, you know, Spolster and Vogel don't really like each other. From you know when Vogel and uh, Indiana were in the Eastern Conference Finals, going up against those uh, really really good Heat teams. So maybe some cheaper ticket prices now that you know Wade's out of town, or maybe they'll even credential us for I, once. I mean, look, Miami's already got a, a pretty weak fan base as it is. I mean, granted they they sell out games, but those arenas aren't really packed because there's yeah. a lot of a lot of trouble and a lot of stuff you can get into in Miami. So. Most people just aren't in a state of mind to get to those games. That's fair. But uh, I I think the Magic are are in actually a pretty good position if all goes well with just chemistry, with health. I think the Magic find themselves in a good situation. Uh, That's going to wrap it up for for this podcast. We we went through over a half hour pretty quickly, so we'll, we'll leave you guys there. Again, uh, you know, we appreciate you guys uh, following us uh, on Twitter. We appreciate you guys listening to the podcast. Um, you know, please subscribe and please rate us if possible on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, a whole bunch of other places, SoundCloud, wherever you can rate us. You know, we we appreciate it. And uh, Spencer, tell them where you can where they can follow you on Twitter. It's at Spencer Strode, and any feedback, positive or negative, is appreciated. We uh, love the interaction. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, you can follow the uh, MagicBasketballOnline.com story only Twitter feed at MagicMBO. My Twitter handle is at PapaGiorgioMBO. And uh, until then, we'll uh, we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.